You're listening to Wrestling and More's podcast, Ring Rope Roundup, with your host, Rob Goodwin. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, follow us on Twitter at at WAM Podcast UK, or give us a like on Facebook to keep updated with all new content. If it's wrestling you want, keep it at Wrestling and More. Hello, 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 and welcome to our sixth podcast, our Ring of Honor Roundup for episode 302. Apologies, it's a bit late. This was supposed to go up on Wednesday, but we did have some technical issues, so I apologize for that. But without further ado, let's get into what was a really, really engaging episode of Ring of Honor. It was coming from Chicago, so the crowd was hot. Colt Cabana was obviously loving life. Um, and we started with the new champion, Cody Rhodes, in the ring. Obviously, he beat uh, Christopher Daniels at Best in the World. Um, as Cody's starting his promo, the lights go out, his mic cuts out, lights come back up, um, and behind him is Christopher Daniels, who absolutely destroys Cody, which I suppose is a good look for your Ring of Honor champion. Um, the commentators recap news from Best in the World as these two are beating the Blue Blaze out of each other, including the Rebellion breaking up after the stipulation versus Search and Destroy and Motor City Machine Guns. Whoever won that, um, the other team would have to break up. Uh, so the Rebellion lost, therefore they're no longer a faction. Uh, Silas Young um, and Jay Lethal's match and Jay Lethal's injury and how Kazarian and Hangman Page pretty much beat the piss out of each other in a strap match, um, which I think is hilarious after uh, Kazarian's hilarious promo in episode 300 about how he liked being whipped. Just a very odd thing to say. Uh, back to the action. Senior F Tom Sinclair attempts to break it up, but is then thrown off into the corner by Daniels, who beats him up, and then tries to get Rhodes, and then Tom Sinclair is then beaten up by Rhodes as well. Uh, both men then bust through the security that comes to try and break them up. Um, Rhodes then hits a beautiful disaster kick, um, attempts to put um, Daniels in the crossroads, but it's reversed. Daniels then hits a springboard split-legged moonsault off the top rope from the outside onto Cody, which was nice. Um, and Daniels stands toward the end with the title. Chance of let them fight, um, but eventually they were separated and Cody left the ring. Which does beg the question, when does Cody actually get the belt back? Because he's not going to go to Daniels and say, look, I know you've, uh, I know you've beaten me up. Can I have my belt back? Um, which is, you know, strange. It's just something I've wondered. Uh, Rhodes is just awesome. Uh, despite his mixed reception at the G1 shows in America, where he was quite obviously the heel and the second favourite in the match versus Okada, which to some was quite surprising. Um, but I think he's absolutely brilliant. His promo game is fantastic. His wrestling is improving every day. He's not on the WWE. So, brilliant to him. Um Following that, we have the announcement of the main event, which is going to be a four-corners survival match to crown a new number one contender for the Ring of Honor TV title against Kushida. And it's going to be between Beer City Bruiser, Kenny King, Chris Sabin, and Mark Briscoe. Really, really looked forward to that match when it was announced. It sounded amazing. Though, I will admit, I'm not entirely sure what a four-corner elimination match is. Sorry, a survival match is. But... Uh, Anyway, speaking of Mark Briscoe, Jay Briscoe uh, was in action next um, as the top prospect tournament 2017 winner Josh Woods um, comes to the ring. We learn that Woods called out Briscoe um, after destroying a few jobbers um, and 
Jay Briscoe accepted, though not without a brilliant promo before the match started. Um, Jay running down the credentials of Woods, admires how he called him out, but does question his ball size and his sanity uh, and says, I run this show. Which, you know, that you do, Jay. That you do. The Briscoes are just brilliant. Um, just building on what Jay said about Josh Woods' sanity, Josh Woods, undoubtedly a really, really good talent, and obviously Ring of Honor of um, understand that as well as they've made him the top prospect. Um, but why on earth would you call out an angry Briscoe? And more than that, an angry Jay Briscoe. Jay is still hurting from losing the six-man tag championship to the boys in Dalton Castle at um, at Best in the World. He's angry after losing to LIJ, after having Green Mist spat in his face by Bushi, which led to him being rolled up after the boys moved him. He's an angry, angry man at the moment. Why would you call it out? Or why would you call him out? Doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but... There we are. They gave this match a long time. A long time. Gave it like upwards of 15 minutes. Um, which, looking back at my notes, I think that's the longest match of the night, including the um, the main event. I think the main event was close to that, but it's a long, long match. Um, there was no real reception for Woods as he came out, but a massive, massive pop for Jay Briscoe, as you'd expect. Commentary team, though, do a great job of belittling the chances of Woods. Um which, of course, builds up then, because everything that Woods manages to get in, any offence he manages to get in on Briscoe, comes as a surprise, let's say. Um, Woods, completely unintimidated, as Briscoe made his way to the ring, sat in the ring, looking quite confident and quite arrogant, really. Um, again, we have a lot of kind of backstory on Woods, um, about how he's an amateur wrestler, he's very good at grappling, Um He's all about strikes and holds. And that's how the match starts. A lot of strikes, a lot of holds, a lot of sizing each other up. Um, Jay Briscoe eventually gets himself on top. So, you know, on top as you would assume he would. He throws Woods into the barricades and then hits him with a suicide dive. Suplexes onto the outside. And you can see that there's a lot of pent-up aggression in Jay. Obviously, as I've said before, there's a lot of hatred in him at the moment and a lot of anger. So you do at this point start to feel sorry for Woods. However, he kind of tries to get himself on top and eventually does. Um, there was a spot with some kind of tilt-a-whirl powerbomb, which looked very botched. I'm not entirely sure if it was or if it was just untidy, but it looked very botched. Um, Jay landed quite funny and um, I don't know whether Woods just didn't get him up properly. But anyway... Um, Pinfall after that, uh, Briscoe kicked out at two, he had his foot on the ropes. Um, after that, not long after that, Briscoe won with a clothesline. A clothesline. A clothesline closed the match. Um, no J driver needed. Um, Woods came out of this match looking quite strong, even though uh, Jay had beaten him, and then we ended with a stare-off. So, I think this is probably going to be a feud going on, which I'd quite like to see. I'm not familiar with how good Woods is on the mic, um, but he seems a solid wrestler. So, good luck to him going forward. Uh, we're then greeted with a little bit of a recap uh, on the dissolution of the Cheeseburger and Ferreira tag team after their botched attempt at the titles against the Young Bucks. Um, as Cheeseburger is going to hit one of the Bucks, he moves, hits Ferreira off the side, and then uh, Cheeseburger is pinned after a Meltzer driver. Ferreira then turns on Cheeseburger and basically cites many, many reasons as to why 
he has turned on Cheeseburger. It's very similar to the Enzo and Cass thing that's going on in WWE at the moment. Uh, Ferrer encourages Cheeseburger to retire, as all there is left is a world of hurt delivered by him. Now, I mentioned in a recap of episode 299, I think, that Jay White, um, when he was calling out Punishment Martinez, seemed very forced in his anger. Now, Ferrer wasn't that bad, but towards the end, he did... He got very obviously angry. And I don't know, it seemed... It seemed quite forced, and it seemed a little bit of... It just seemed... It spoiled it a little bit for me, to be perfectly honest. Um, but, you know, I'm sure that'll be a feud going onwards, which, you know, I'd quite like to see. I don't know when we're going to have the blow-off match, but there we are. This led us to match two of the night, where we had the Tempora Boys, I apologise, from New Japan, versus Coast to Coast. Uh, Yo and Show, the Tempora Boys. Um, yep, yeah, that's what they're called. On excursion in Ring of Honor... Um, are they allowed to two-sweet people if they aren't in Bullet Club? Because they came to the ring and they two-sweeted everyone. Is that acceptable if they aren't in Bullet Club or the Elite? I don't know. But they came to the ring, uh, Coast to Coast came to the ring. There was no real pop for either team, really, um, which didn't really get me hyped for the match, but there we are. What did get me hyped was the arrival of the Young Bucks, who... Um, came to the ring and said they love Chicago and it wouldn't be you know a Ring of Honor show in Chicago without them, which everyone cheered, clearly they agreed, and they proceeded to insert themselves into a mat into the match as an open challenge, a three-way Texas Tornado match and they put the belts on the line so the match got very very interesting even though it was glaringly obvious that the Young Bucks were not going to drop the titles in this match. Uh, two fairly unknown teams in the Tempora Boys and Coast to Coast, not the strongest teams, and it would have been very, very surprising had they lost. Um, I mean, there's so much that you can say about the Young Bucks, and I know that a lot of people go on about them, but they're just constantly innovating their double-team moves, and it's amazing. There was a lovely drop-kick cross-body combo from Nick Jackson off the top rope. That was pretty much one of the first moves of the match. It was amazing. Um... The only, the only thing is, I do feel sorry for the commentary team, who it must be very, very difficult for them to keep naming the moves and calling the action when the Young Bucks keep inventing new moves. Um, there was a bit where they did some kind of cutter whilst the other was holding a member, I think, coast to coast. And <laughs> Colt Cabana just kind of half said the move and then gave up. So I do feel sorry for the commentary team, but uh, it's impossible not to have fun watching a Young Bucks match. All three teams had their big moments, as you'd expect. There was a human rocket from LSG of Coast to Coast. Um, there was a power bomb into an Inseguri, followed by a ridiculous amount of super kicks, as you would expect. It's a Young Bucks match. Um, and then eventually the match was... Ended by an assisted indie taker as Coast to Coast had the Tempora Boys in joint tombstones turned around into super kicks from the Young Bucks, who then um, Matt threw Nick up in the air and there was an assisted indie taker, and they got the double pin on the Tempora Boys. So still, your Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions are the Young Bucks, which of course everyone saw coming. But there we are. This was followed by an advert for a one-on-one -on -one match between Adam Cole and Marty Skrull. 
on Ring of Honor On Demand. Something that confused me was, has this happened already? Because if it has, I've missed it. Or is this just for On Demand? Because if it's just for On Demand, they've missed out on a lot of money on the feud between Cole and Skrull. Because surely this has got to be one of the biggest feuds in Ring of Honor, with Skrull kicking Cole out of Bullet Club. Surely that can't be it. I'll be really annoyed if it is. Because, you know, they've got the scope to do so much with those two wrestlers. They are both fantastic. And the feud between the two would be absolutely phenomenal. It would be such a shame if they've spaffed all that up the wall after one match. Um, Then it was followed by an advert for the replays of Best in the World. Um, I don't know if you watch Best in the World. A really, really good pay-per-view. Ring of Honor very, very rarely deliver poor pay-per-views. Um, I haven't seen all of it yet, but I've seen the vast majority. I thought the match between Rhodes and Daniels was brilliant. Um, so, nothing really bad to say about the pay-per-view. I thought the match between Bully Ray, the Briscoes, and Dalton Castle and the Boys was another really good match. But, that is a podcast for another time. Time to move on to our main event. There was only three matches in this show. A lot of talking, a lot of promos, a lot of recaps, considering it's not the episode directly after Best in the World. A lot of recaps. But, the Four Corners Survival Match. Mark Briscoe versus Chris Saban versus Kenny King versus the Beer City Bruiser for the number one contendership to the Ring of Honor Television Championship currently held by New Japan Pro Wrestling's Kushida, who defeated Marty Skrull for it. Now, this is opened with Mark Briscoe delivering a hilarious promo about why he has got to be the next Ring of Honor television champion. Uh, he says, It's etched in stone that I'm going to become the next champion. Uh, I've got four kids and I've got a wife, but I made the mistake of telling my wife that I was going to win and she took me seriously, so now I really do need to win it because I need the bonus for my kids, which I thought was really funny. He delivered it in such a fantastic way. Anyone who's seen Mark Briscoe deliver a promo will understand just how hilarious and just how brilliant he is. Um all the other competitors were in the ring already, um, which I think they probably could have, with this being the main event, and, you know, it being such a prestigious main event, you know, it's for the number one contendership for a title, they probably could have afforded them, a, you know, an entrance each. Um, however, I did like the fact that Beer City Bruiser was sitting in a corner, on a keg, drinking a beer. Perfect. Showing no worries at all. Um... Speaking of the Bruiser, he Ring of Honor do absolutely everything to show that he is the heel in this match. He's the only one that doesn't shake hands. Um, what I saw from the Four Corner Survival match was that only two people are allowed in the ring at, the same, at a time. And the other two have got to be outside. As soon as one leaves the ring, someone else can come in. So there's two in the ring at all time. Basically, Bruiser decided he was having none of that. And probably for the first two minutes, I think that was the only time that that rule was abided by. Um, Beer City Bruiser just entered himself into the match whenever he felt like it, um, trying to get everyone to realise that, yes, I am a heel, I am a heel. Um, Kenny King starts the match off really, really strongly. Um, Mark Briscoe is so entertaining to watch. He really, really is. He's got that perfect balance of comedy and athleticism, and he really does have a lot of stunning athleticism, as does everyone in this match, including the Bruiser, considering his size, over £300. Um, just to top this off, Briscoe, lovely moonsault onto the outside, onto Saban, 
uh, sorry, onto the Beer City Bruiser and Kenny King. Kenny King, you kind of lose in the middle of this match because a lot of the middle of the match is dominated by Saban. Um, I'll be perfectly honest, I forgot at one point that Kenny King was even in the match. Um, but then this moonsault was then followed by a drop kick off the apron from Saban onto Briscoe. Um, there was a lovely spot where Briscoe has the Beer City Bruiser in a sleeper hold in the middle of the ring. Um, Bruiser then runs and flips and slams Briscoe into Saban, who's sitting in the corner of the ring. That must absolutely wreck, because Briscoe isn't small, but um, Bruiser certainly isn't. Um, Chris Saban then power bombs. This was spot of the night. It really, really was. Beer City Bruiser. Um, has gone up to the top, presumably for some kind of splash, onto Saban, who's on the ground. Briscoe slaps, and that slap echoes around the uh, around the venue, really does. But Briscoe gets him up then, attempts a suplex, but that's stopped. Kenny King then comes, hits the bruiser, attempts a double suplex with Briscoe. Saban then runs underneath and power bombs both King and Briscoe, who come off then as though they are being double power bombed, bringing the Bruiser off the top rope, suplexing him, and it it just looked very very nice. It looked brilliant. It was definitely definitely my my spot of the night. Such a saucy spot. Um, however. The downside of that was that Saban couldn't find the pin because it took so much out of him to do that. Um, he rolls to the outside. Briscoe hits a blockbuster from the apron and then just throws a chair into the crowd because he's Mark Briscoe before Bruiser then cannonballs onto both on the outside. And again, very deceptive Bruiser. He's a big youth, a big unit, and to cannonball off the apron onto them, it just it it looked good. He got he's got grace that you don't anticipate him having, which I suppose is part of his allure really. Um there's then a springboard DDT that Sabin provides onto King before a brainbuster from Briscoe onto Sabin. And they're building up Briscoe at this point. You think Briscoe's gonna do it. Um Sabin and King are then on their backs in the middle of the ring. Bruiser goes to one corner Briscoe goes to another, and they both jump in tandem. Briscoe hits a flying elbow, and Bruiser hits a splash onto Saban. They both go for the pin. However, they, at two, inexplicably decide that, nah, I'm not bothered about that. I want to fight you. So then Bruiser and Briscoe fight each other, as opposed to pinning, um, and that proves quite costly. Uh, Kenny King then hits Bruiser with a royal flush, which is his finisher, and... Counts to three before Briscoe can break it up. And Kenny King is your new number one contender for the TV title against Kushidan. We don't know when that match is going to be. What we do know is, is that Kenny King is a very, very good wrestler. And I said earlier that he was lost in the middle portion of this match, and he was. Um, there wasn't... Huge spots from him in the same way that there was huge spots from Sabin, from Briscoe, and from Bruiser. But he looked a very tight and tidy wrestler. So all in all, episode 302 of Ring of Honor. A really, really good episode. Thoroughly enjoyable. A really good main event. Still not entirely sure I understand what a four-corner survival match is. But I'm happy I've seen it. Um, the Young Bucks are still fantastic. The Briscoes are still amazing. 
Um, Josh Woods was incredibly foolish to call out an angry Briscoe. And Cody Rhodes, I think, has got the potential to be an outstanding Ring of Honor champion. Anyway, I certainly hope you've enjoyed the podcast. If you haven't had a chance to watch Ring of Honor, please do. It is an absolutely outstanding 50 minutes of wrestling when you consider, you know, Raw's three hours. You've got so much crammed into this 50 minutes, it's impossible not to enjoy it. Talk to us about it on Twitter, um, at WAM Podcast UK. Um, Talk to us about it on Facebook, in the YouTube comments. If you're listening to us on iTunes, please click subscribe. It really does help us out. If you want to leave a review, we'd really, really appreciate a five-star review. Thank you so much for listening, and join us tomorrow for our Great Falls of Fire predictions. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you guys later.